Entering the Freedom Hut. Anarchy across the nation. The Secret Service attacked in D.C. A historic church lit on fire. Cop cars in New York City firebombed. Looting in downtown Manhattan. St. Patrick's Cathedral desecrated. The World War II monument in D.C. desecrated. Over 140 cities with protests and violence and anarchy on the streets of this country. We will break that down for you and more coming up. This is The Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make make no mistake. America, you're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, everybody, to The Buck Sexton Show. I hope this will be perhaps our, our sanity today getting a chance to discuss what happened over the weekend. Uh, The fact that we aren't seeing a unified voice of all the uh, political parties in this country, of all of the people with influence, with platforms, calling out what's going on here, which is just an expression of mass rage, a frenzy of hatred and destruction. This will not benefit anyone. If they believe in justice, this is not going to make police relationships with communities any stronger. This will do nothing that is positive and so much that is destructive. I heard the protests over the weekend. In fact, I bumped into them on the streets several times. Uh, They yes, some of them just hold up signs about police terrorism. Does anyone want to explain to them? that in any given year, there are less than 100 and most years less than 50 people who are killed, who are unarmed under mysterious or questionable circumstances by police in a country of 320 million. That's that's a pretty small number, isn't it? But we are we are supposed to believe we're supposed to buy the initial premise that cops are a racist scourge that they are a threat, constantly menacing and looking to murder even because of sheer racism, young black men in this country. Uh, That is a lie. It's not true. And the moment you start to break out statistics, the moment you look at the realities of police-civilian interaction, the demographic breakdowns of different crimes, the ways that they are prosecuted, this is all built on lies right now. They have one they have one point of truth that has been used for all of what we've seen across the country. The destruction of stores, an old lady beaten by a mob with with uh, pieces of wood in Rochester, a man in Dallas almost kicked and beaten to death by a mob outside of his own store. Truck drivers pulled out of trucks trying to drive through mobs that had blocked traffic, which is illegal. And, you know, if you block traffic and something bad happens, if if you're standing across a highway and you mob someone's car and that person panics and tries to escape, tries to flee to safety, and some of the moron protesters are hurt in that process, that is the fault of the protesters. That is the fault of the people that have caused the initial incident. And yet we're told that this isn't going to stop. We're told that this is uh, the, just the beginning, really. 
I heard the protests, as I said, walking through the streets here in New York. In fact, I walked through a few of the protest marches just trying to get home or trying to get through my day. They chant horrible things about the police that are untrue uh, or that are enormous smears, right? Yes. Are there cops who are racist? Sure. They're racists uh, in, in any profession. Are there incidents of police violence that are horrific and that should be punished to the fullest extent of law? Yeah. But does anyone like bad cops? I hate bad cops. I think that bad cops are a menace. I think that bad cops should be sought out and and punished severely. And I haven't heard anybody who disagrees with that. And no one that I've seen who has any influence or any platform or any sway including the president of the United States, who was on this show, what, a week ago, talking about how terrible it was what happened to George Floyd and how the Department of Justice was looking into it. If we are all going to be subject to the whims of the mob whenever an injustice happens, in the case of New York or L.A. or Dallas, how many thousands of miles away is this incident that then is justifying burning down stores and attacking people in the streets? You can't believe in justice and then have the elimination of culpability, the elimination of guilt, of of due process. You can't believe in justice, have that as your rallying cry, and think that you then have the right to attack anyone you wish, to destroy anything you want. Do you think that the uh, lib journos out there have in any way rallied to the cause of civilization? Because that is what we're in right now. This is a fight for our civilization. For our society. No. No, they keep focusing in on the mostly peaceful protests. Well, well, he, here's an example of how that goes. Uh, a, a CNN anchor on live TV was talking about how the, uh, the riots going on in Minneapolis that, that he was near were entirely peaceful. And then this happened. Play clip one. And it's now just sort of a a merry caravan it is worth pointing out that it has been entirely peaceful sometimes angry but entirely peaceful a few people uh doing some graffiti when when others saw them doing the graffiti they would shut them down make them stop doing it bottle thrown uh which is not uncommon so there is some of that, but for the most part, they have been very, very peaceful. Uh, they haven't, uh, they haven't been destroying anything. They, they, they like to take it out of the media, as everybody does. Our elite journo class is is a uh, problem for America. They're a net negative at this point. They are damaging to the public. How else can you describe what happened there? A CNN anchor saying on live TV that, oh, it's entirely peaceful. Before he can finish the paragraph he's in the middle of saying, he gets a bottle thrown at him. It's entirely peaceful. Ow! Except for what just happened when I said it was peaceful. And, and it's peaceful except for the graffiti writing and the profanity being screamed and the threats and, the, and the, just the obscenities and the vulgarities and the destruction of property and the menacing of the public that's going on. Other than that, entirely peaceful. I'm going to tell you, I had over the weekend um, a tweet that the President of the United States 
retweeted, which, as you know, can sometimes lead to uh, uh, a whole bunch of targeting by the psychotic left. And, and this one, I think you could say, has now gone mega viral, but it, it is the truth. It is the distilled truth of our situation right now. And it is that this isn't going to stop until the good guys are willing to use overwhelming force against the bad guys. The president retweeted that one. Now, this is very straightforward, isn't it? I'm not saying that anyone should use violence against peaceful protesters. Quite the contrary. Bad guys are people who attack human beings, who destroy property, who break the law. And they cannot be allowed to have their own force escalation procedures that they have developed as part of this Antifa movement, but the far-left protest groups have been doing this, stretching back to Occupy Wall Street and well before that. They are not and should not be in a position to use force against police, to use force against law enforcement and get away with it. Anytime someone throws a brick at cops, that person should be immediately put into custody. And that means, if necessary, using... The, 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 there's a reason that the police have batons. There's a reason the police have pepper spray. That person has to be subdued with the minimum necessary force, but the force that is necessary and put into handcuffs or flex cuffs and taken into custody. That's it. Until we have a restoration of that basic principle, this will not stop because the mob has been empowered. They're emboldened. And it's going to get uglier. People have already gotten really severely injured. Businesses, who knows how many at this point, looted, burned out, destroyed. How could anyone feel safe in a city anywhere in the country right now when cities are overwhelmingly the sites of this kind of violence, these outrages? How could anyone think that this is acceptable? There are people, the celebrity class, we have the most feckless, stupid, immoral cowardly celebrity class of any society that you could point to in history. These people who have become so wealthy and so influential and really are mostly just lucky and have used the system in every way they could to benefit themselves, they turn around and now because it makes them feel good because of their addiction to virtue signaling, they don't care if your business is burned down or destroyed. They don't care if you or your neighbor is attacked by the angry mob because people are hurting. That's what we're told. Not the people that are getting bricks thrown through their windows or hitting them in the heads as they're trying to walk down the street and want no part of this. Their hurt doesn't seem to matter. But this celebrity bailout fund, they're bailing out mobs that are destroying people's lives, that are terrifying human beings who are entirely innocent. And the celebrities are, are paying for this. My friends, we are in a war for our country. We are in a war with the forces of disorder, of anarchy, of destruction. With the left, the American left has become toxic. It has become uh, a, a force that seeks to destroy everything that is worthwhile, everything that we have built. They hate Donald Trump, as you know. This has all become very political. And if we don't stop them, they will ruin the country that you and I live in. It will be gone. Now, hopefully, in a matter of days, the forces of order will prevail. 
hopefully you'll see governors and mayors and the federal government where necessary step in and stop this mayhem. But what what signal does it send to the rest of us that this could even happen after we've been told to lock down for months? After we have been told that if you gather in large groups, you are putting people's lives at risk because of COVID-19. Do you see anyone right now in the media who supports these awful, uh, destructive and hateful uh, riots? Do you see anyone saying what we were all told? If you don't wear a mask and if you don't social distance, you're irresponsible. There are rioters not wearing masks. Some of them wear masks because it's, uh, you know, a benefit for them. You can't tell who they are. Uh, but a lot of them don't wear masks. They don't social distance, obviously. They're gathering in huge groups. The protesters are gathering in huge groups. The authorities would not allow people for months, for months, to go to church, to see loved ones, to see family. In Michigan, they prevented you from going from one house to another house that you own. Can't open your businesses. If you try, if you want to cut hair, maybe you'll see four or five customers over the course of the day No, they'll arrest you. You want to take your kids to the park? They'll arrest you. But if you want to gather in a mass of a thousand screaming profanities, graffitiing sacred uh, religious institutions, graffitiing the World War II Memorial in D.C., these people have respect for nothing. For nothing. They are vicious and vile nihilists. But if you want to do that you'll have Democrats, leftists, defending your right to assemble all of a sudden. Oh, so the First Amendment counts if you're a stupid, destructive, and vile rioter, but your right to assembly and your your religious freedom doesn't matter when Governor Cuomo and Governor Newsom and all the rest are worried about COVID, and it's not up to you and your own risk. You might spread it to someone else. Things have gotten... Very, very ominous. We can either stand up, make our voices heard, and get ready for the fight ahead, or let the lunatics take over. That's where we are. There is no third choice. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I understand the pain that people are feeling. We support the right of peaceful protesters, and we hear their pleas. But what we are now seeing on the streets of our cities has nothing to do with justice or with peace. The memory of George Floyd is being dishonored by rioters, looters, and anarchists. The violence and vandalism is being led by Antifa and other radical left-wing groups who are terrorizing the innocent, destroying jobs, hurting businesses, and burning down buildings. Tens of thousands of people across the country involved in these riots and the looting, at least. Who knows what the real number is? But thousands upon thousands of them. Have you seen, and I want you to remember this because you will never have this focus from the media, have you seen a single MAGA hat? Just one on any of the people running out of stores, clutching expensive handbags or sneakers or whatever it is that they've gone into the store to loot. 
Have you seen one person wearing a MAGA hat? I've seen plenty of people wearing, you know, A for anarchy symbols. That's out there. So we know that an, an Antifa, the so-called anti-fascists, they name themselves, it's an intentional misnomer because they actually are the fascists. Do what we say or we will, as a mob, threaten you, destroy you, take from you. That's fascism. They, they are not, there is no defense against fascism. In fact, the president of the United States, if he were fascistic in intent, had the biggest opening anybody could ever imagine with what's happened here with COVID-19. And if anything, he gave more authority to the states than I think he should have. If anything, he was a little too hands off, but he's a fascist. This is risible. These people are morons. Uh, but the wealthy journos and celebrities and, and Hollywood elites and all the rest that cheer this stuff on, they know that ultimately it won't affect them. They live in gated communities or they can retreat out to the Hamptons or to Martha's Vineyard. They don't have to actually deal with this. And even if somebody were to break into a store that they have a part ownership of or a restaurant where they're a silent partner, whatever it may be, they've got plenty of money. They don't care. You know who gets hurt the worst by what's going on right now? The very working people, including a lot of minorities in these neighborhoods where the riots are occurring, that the left pretends to care about. Here's the little secret. The left doesn't give a crap about people. It is just the harnessing of mob mentality for power and self-indulgent rage. That's what's happening. They have no coherent political philosophy. What are the demands that they want? What are we supposed to do? You want to abolish police forces? Oh, well, that's going to be interesting. And they may want to rethink that one, considering that you have a whole lot of people that don't see eye to eye with them on politics who also believe in the Second Amendment and won't allow the looting of their stores. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We come together in the fight for justice as we fight against racism, as we fight against massive unemployment and poverty. Right-wing demagogues exploit moments like this to tear us apart and reinforce systems of racism and oppression. At this critical moment in our nation's history, at a time when we need a president who brings us together against injustice, we have a president who is opportunistically moving us down a path toward authoritarianism. The president, according to Bernie Sanders, number two in the running for the Democrat presidential nomination. The president is moving toward authoritarianism. It's not possible that Bernie Sanders is that stupid. I mean, the guy is deeply unimpressive, but it's not possible he's that dumb. So what's really going on here? Well, in the old expression about a demagogue, it's that a person who knows what he's saying to be untrue, speaking to a room of people he knows to be idiots. That's what Bernie Sanders does. He lies and tells the left wing mob what it wants to hear. The right is exploiting this. The right of which I am a part. That's right. I am right wing. I am conservative. That's just the way that it is. The right wanted our country to not be under authoritarianism of governors shutting down restaurants with their stupid mask policies, with their ridiculous social distancing. I've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks. The science doesn't support it. You know what you're starting to see now? Everyone go, oh, wow. 
You mean we can gather in thousands and thousands and there's not some big surge in cases? And if, if you can get a thousand people together on the street screaming about how cops are racist murderers, I think you could probably risk putting a hundred people in a church somewhere, right? right? Not according to the left. No, no. Looting and rioting and arson and firebombing police vehicles, that's essential, you could say, in the left's formulation. But opening a business, paying your own bills, having autonomy, having basic freedom, that's not, that's not essential. That doesn't count. That's up to the whims of Cuomo and de Blasio and Newsom and Whitmer and Murphy in New Jersey, all these different governors with their appallingly stupid policies that now all of a sudden we're, oh, we, we've just forgotten about this. I'm, I'm going to return to the COVID issue in a little bit because, guys, they were all lying to you. Remember, it was all about, you know, Cuomo, uh, if you don't wear a mask, you're basically killing people. So wear a mask. Why do you wear a mask? A mask is a thing, right? We had this going on for weeks. Do you, do you think he's going to give a lecture to the protesters? Uh, excuse me, I, I understand you want to burn. You want to burn down a building. Okay, okay. Let's talk about this. If you're going to burn down a building, you've got to maintain six feet of social distance. If you don't maintain six feet of social distance, you're putting people at risk. Forget about the burning of the building. I, 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 mean, I mean the COVID risk. You could put somebody in jeopardy, in danger. You might, you know, aerosolize virus. So look, put the Molotov cocktail down for just a second. Step three or four more feet away and then continue your arson spree and your destruction of our society. Thanks, Cuomo. Good job. Glad to glad to see you're on the case. Uh, everything that I've told you about COVID-19 here has been true. This is the greatest, uh, the greatest lie uh, since the Russia collusion, and in some ways a much more damaging one. If you are wondering what this is all going to do, I, I have to tell you, no one, no one can really understand all the implications of this. I have some people saying, well, this will help Trump because of the law and order vote. And I say, well, no, there's not law and order. The president, who has been very gracious and very generous to me, particularly in recent weeks, I found myself asking last night, where, where is our president on this one? As much as I appreciated the retweet, although it was just a, a mass of social justice lunatics coming at me as a result of it. And once you get in, you know, over, uh, you know, 100, 150 or 140,000 likes and all this other stuff, every lunatic on the planet is seeing your stuff. But... Where is the president on all this? You have Bernie Sanders saying right wing demagogues are exploiting this. I'd like to see a little more Trump out there explaining why this needs to stop. Where is our fighter? This is the moment that we need him more than any other we have seen. Where is that guy that we elected that won't back down? Now, I'm not saying he's gone. By the time you hear this, he may have given a one, one, one hell of an oration calling out the, the fraudulence that's at the heart of all these riots and the way the media covers it. Oh, and the, the media, they're, they're such a bunch of, of disgraces. They really are. You know, I, I, I called it last night. Just if you want, pop in on CNN for a second and you'll see exactly what I'm what I'm telling you is going to happen here is going to happen. 
uh, you'll see people who will have no shame whatsoever at MSNBC, at CNN, on any of these lib channels. They're going to feign concern over the, quote, violence from all sides. It's not from all sides. It's leftists. If we're really talking politics here, it's Biden voters burning all this stuff down and looting the stores and throwing rocks at cops. It's not Trump voters. We all know that. Now, maybe some of them are actually registered members of the American Communist Party. I'm not saying every single one of them, and a lot of them probably don't vote at all. But if you're looking for political affiliations here, this is a Democrat left anarchy. We all know it. But they're going to, over on the, the various channels, they're going to feign concern over violence from all sides and focus on, quote, raising awareness and having tough conversations. What they will not do with their national platforms, with their legacy media outlets, with built-in massive advertising just showered on them every year, even though their shows suck and their viewership is full of imbeciles. What they won't do is call out the evil rioters for this violence and destruction. They won't do that. You can bet on it. But there'll be a lot of talk of, oh, maybe we should, maybe we should just try to focus on the way to, to heal for a moment here. What they're really waiting for is one incident of a cop who, in response to being spat on or hit with a rock or anything, that, any, all the things that are going on routinely all over the country, night after night right now, they're waiting for one cop who goes too far. I saw a video in Baltimore of a woman who punched a police officer, square, squared up with him, punched him in the face twice. And a fellow officer came up behind this, uh, this woman and punched her. Now, you know, maybe he could have tackled the ground. Maybe there's a, there was a, a, a better way, but he, there needed to be a force escalation there. You know, he didn't draw his weapon on her. Um, there needed to be some force used. You know, if you're a woman and you go at the cops with a knife, you don't get to say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure I was going to use it on them to actually kill a police officer. They're going to have to defend themselves. Now, she didn't have a knife. I understand that. But I'm saying there's clearly even when a male officer is attacked by a female assailant, there's going to have to be the use of force. And that officer in Baltimore has already been, uh, I believe, placed on leave and might, uh, might get fired the one who punched the person who punched a fellow officer twice in the face. How many of you think that if you went up to a, went up to a cop and swung and connected twice, square in the jaw, think that you would be gently uh, asked to stop and put your hands behind your back, please, and no force used? The answer is zero, because no one who listens to this show is a left-wing dumbass. But there are a lot of people out there who seem to think that law enforcement is not based upon force and the use thereof. There are plenty of things where I wish I could just tell the cops, no, I'm sorry, not going not gonna to abide by that one. If I get pulled over for a speeding ticket, eh, I'm not getting pulled over. What are you going to do? You can't use force against me. What, what happens? Take that. That's a perfect example, actually. What happens if you get pulled over for a speeding ticket and you, when the officer comes up, you just decide to take off? Does the officer say, eh, you know, it's uh, I don't want to have to drive really fast. That seems like a lot of effort and it's just a speeding ticket. And no, they're going to they're going to track you down because if people believe that they can violate the law with impunity, our society is actually crumbling. Right. So that they enforce the law. That's why we have it. But. 
Uh, like I said, no no MAGA hats on any of the people involved in this, which I you won't hear the other you won't hear the media say that, um, but I think it's certainly noteworthy. And then there's also a point I wanted to make to you because there's there's so much going on here, and the lib media is is atrocious on all of this. They are absolutely disgusting. And I will tell you this: all of the blue checks is what we call the verified journalists. You'll see on on Twitter in particular. Every single one of them currently posturing as a radical, cheering on rioters to attack police officers as some kind of retribution. Every single one of them, every celebrity. I said, you know, Steve Carell and Justin Timberlake and these people are sending sending bail money to riot. They're not arresting peaceful protesters, you morons. They're arresting people that are breaking the law. So you're encouraging rioting and looting uh, but the moment any of those just just quizlings, just abject, knee-shaking cowards had an angry mob outside their mansion in Malibu or Santa Monica or in Beverly Hills, the moment that happened, you know they would call the cops begging for help. Begging. But right now it's all, oh, the cops are getting what they deserve. Yeah, power to the people. No justice, no peace. Among the dumbest things I heard over the weekend, this was a chant that I, I just happened to, to come across. Um, silence is violence. No, you morons. Violence is violence. And claiming that silence equals violence is actually to debase what real violence is and also to claim that you have the right to use violence against those who will not go along with you. It is inherently coercion. Agree with me or you are engaged in an act of violence. That's what that means. Well, if that's the case, then they are justified in using violence against you. All of this comes from the coordination of left wing groups online, on social media, all this Antifa stuff that you see. Antifa has been around for years, as we know. They are largely, uh, largely white, upper middle class college educated kids there was a uh, someone uh, two people in new york city arrested for throwing a or uh, attempting to throw a molotov cocktail which i mean that could burn someone alive for those who don't know the molotov cocktail was named because molotov was the foreign secretary uh, of the soviet union and during the soviet union's invasion of finland they which was a much more brutal affair than the Soviets expected. Uh, the Finns referred to this uh, way of attacking Soviet armor, which they did not have them. They did not have themselves in a way where they could really fight back effectively. But they would throw Molotov cocktails at Soviet troops and Soviet mechanized infantry. It's a weapon of war. They always talk about this. Molotov cocktail breaks next to you. You'll catch on fire and slowly and horrifically die. And there are little morons running around New York City who went to elite schools. I believe one of them went to uh, Princeton. Another one went to Fordham Law School. I think one of them went to, it might have been Harvard. I, I have to check the schools. But they went to elite schools. Member of the New York bar throwing a Molotov cocktail at a police van. One of them is going to horrifically, one of these incidents is going to involve uh, murder. There's already a cop who was killed in Oakland, a, a federal protective service officer, who was killed by somebody who just drove up to a federal building and shot a whole bunch of people standing outside it who were clearly employees there. 
They'll say, of course, oh, you don't know that that was the that was tied to the protests. Really, we're going to play that game now. We're going to we're going to feign stupidity. Oh, that's what the media will do. Um, remember, they they they've had a hand in this. They have stoked the fires. They have pushed this rage. Stelter and Tapper and Maddow and Scarborough and the New York Times and the Washington Post. And these people have given cover to these riots. They pretend that they have some emotional connection to the pain that is felt. Really? The closest they ever get to these neighborhoods they see on fire is sitting in their mansions in the Hamptons on the flat screen. But they really care. They really care about poor and downtrodden minority communities. They also care about the crime that is the real threat. You want to talk about what threatens uh, minority communities across the country when it comes to violence? Not police violence. It's crime. It's drug dealers. It's gangs. That's the real threat. And anybody who's being honest knows that. But no, let's focus in on the aberrant behavior or or the aberrant bad cop, the the rare incident. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Of course it exists. And it happens. It happens to people of all races and ethnicities as well, which the left pretends is not the case. It absolutely absolutely is the case. Look up, type in if you want uh, Daniel Shaver and then write my name, Buck Sexton. I wrote a piece for The Hill a few years ago on the most horrific execution by cop I have seen with the possible, the only one that really comes close to it is the uh, one in South Carolina where a guy was running away from an officer. But that happened, that was murder. Um, but in the, in the case of Daniel Shaver, uh, he was slow, he was begging for, begging and pleading for his life literally on his knees. And two officers with AR 15s uh, had them trained on him and lit him up. Just, just shot him multiple times at almost point blank range just because they were psychopaths. They actually got off. They, they were charged. They got off. No one was rioting after that. No one burned down anyone's buildings or. Justice is not perfect, but if you adhere to justice, then you also understand that rioting negates whatever cause you think you have. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You'll see a little bit of. A, a retrenchment today, a little bit of a, of a pullback from from some quarters on the left because it was so horrific over the weekend. You know what they'll say? Don't allow the occasional bad actor in the protest. Don't allow the occasional person stepping out of line here or there to undermine the peaceful protests across the country. Isn't that such an interesting? It's of course not true. There were riots in over 140 cities and looting, and it's 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 mayhem. And that you know, as I've said, sure. When Lincoln was assassinated, it was mostly a theatrical production, but that's not really what people remember, is it? Uh, If that's true, why is it then also not the case that you shouldn't judge the entire police force, which is about seven or eight hundred thousand Americans, by the actions of one man in, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis? Oh, they don't have an answer for this, do they? But they'll probably just throw some more rocks. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've not seen the specific uh, words coming out of the White House or actions, but I can tell you this, and this is the blunt truth. Uh, the president of the United States helped to create this atmosphere, and that's the tragedy here. 
Uh, doesn't matter what your party affiliation is, doesn't matter what you think of President Trump, uh, there's been an uptick in tension and hatred and division since he came along. It's just a fact. And it's not the reason for any specific act, but it has helped to poison the atmosphere. So um, we got to get back to leaders talking about unity. You're going to hear more of this. So that's why I think it's it's a narrative that we have to face head on right now, that, that somehow Trump is the problem, that Trump is responsible for all of this. Now, what what is it that they would expect the president to? Oh, well, well, he creates so much hatred and division, they say. Isn't it interesting that the hatred and division didn't uh, boil over into riots and looting and arson and violence on the streets until an election year? Isn't it interesting that there was a waiting that occurred until we had been told that we had to stay home for months. And remember, the left, the lockdowners were also primarily, but not entirely, there were conservative lockdowners too, uh, primarily on the left. This was a Democrat plan. We got to stay home. And you say, oh, Buck, no, it wasn't. It was Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Who do you think Fauci, who's calling Chris Cuomo at night to tuck him in into bed, who, who do you think Fauci, well, what side of the aisle do you think he's on? And don't tell me, oh, no, he has no ideology. That's crap. Oh, just like the FBI and the DOJ have no ideology or the Supreme Court has no ideology. They're really going to believe that? No, we saw this. The uh, the forces of the Democrat apparatus, the lockdown libs, the left, they pushed for us to be caged in our own homes. I mean, to be locked up for months, well beyond when the data was clearly showing us that this was unnecessary and, and this was nuts. And really, there was always a case to be made that even if things were as bad as they said they were going to be, the consequences, which they weren't, not even close, but the consequences of the lockdown could be worse than just going about our lives and dealing with the pandemic as best we can without the shutdown. Remember, the shutdown that was ordered by the government. And yes, I am sorry, I have to say, uh, the president, they got him to bend the knee. I've been saying that for weeks they got him to extend the lockdown after the 15 days. That was a mistake. It was a mistake that I can understand the pressures that he's under. Look, the president looked me in the eye and said that he was really worried that we could lose two million people. The two million people would die unless he did something, because that is what the so-called experts told him. That was not true, as we know. And you might say, oh, but we lost 100,000 people. Yes, it is horrific. We lost 100,000 people. Now all the evidence points to the lockdowns didn't save anybody. How can the lockdowns be saving people when six weeks into it, you have uh, 3,000 new infections a day? Uh, you know, what, what, uh, so we, we really think, no, people are still going to the store. They still have to live their lives in some capacity. There's still the exposure to the virus, but the virus is much less deadly than we were told. And so many people had already got it. The spread had already gone so far and the seasonality of it had kicked in. That is what brought down the curve staying home may in fact have caused a whole lot of people who are of greater vulnerability older people to be at much higher risk because intra-family spread is among um, among one of the highest risk factors but i'll get more into the covid thing later on um i just I, it's remarkable that de blasio is trying to blame trump for this you know de blasio's daughter was arrested at one of these protests for blocking traffic 
So, you know, you have the mayor of this city who, oh, and he's also already uh, said that he's very troubled by NYPD officers who, when there's a mob blocking the street and then surrounds their vehicles, they drove and pushed. They didn't floor it and, you know, and wipe out a bunch of people. They pushed through the crowd. What, what's what's the alternative? I'm sorry. Are, are officers supposed to stay in there while a mob of 100 people smashes their windshields? And are they supposed to wait till they get dragged out and beaten to death? Is, is that the the people that are making these claims? Put yourself in the shoes of the human beings that are the targets of this insanity. And all of a sudden, things seem very different from what you're hearing in the media. Oh, it's terrible what the NYPD is doing. Really? If you were in a car and people surrounded the vehicle, were yelling all kinds of profanity and, you know, blank you, and you're a racist and you're a murderer, and started smashing the windshield, started bashing in the car that you're in, you're supposed to wait until maybe they rip you out of the car? You know, remember what happened to Reginald Denny in the uh, Los Angeles riots? You, do you have to you have to wait to be Reginald Denny because people are upset? People are upset about a lot of things. What separates us, uh, what, what makes us a, a, an actual civilization is that we don't allow people and we don't encourage people to act upon their basest impulses with impunity. With impunity. No, no one has to say. We, we, we're all fine with pro protests are fine. You see, one of the reasons, though, that I think the protests so quickly devolve into violence and other things is that never, there's never been more ways for people's voices to be heard. Protest is, for a lot of people, an activity. It's really a social engagement. That was clear to me in New York City watching it over the weekend. It's almost like a party for some people. Yeah, we're here at the protests. We're chanting. You know, we're, we're singing songs, everything. And hey, that's fine. If people, if they enjoy that, that's that's all to them. I wish they wouldn't yell, as I heard a group of about six women screaming at the police, um, suck my blank at cops who were there to make sure that they were being defended and that their rights were being fully, you know, that there was no problems with traffic or anything else. I mean, the cops are along the peaceful protest. There's no problems. No one has problems with peaceful protest. See, that's a, that's, that's a red herring. That's thrown into this. Is, oh, what about all the peaceful protests? No, peaceful protests all day. You want to gather in, in the town square of every city, every country in America, I mean, sorry, every state in America, every country. Great, go for it. But why does it become something else right away? Because, one, people don't really pay that much attention to protests. And the left has this culture of thinking that if they just gather together and scream and our voices will be heard, but... You know, it's a country of 320 million people. We have a political process and everybody carries around an instantaneous dissemination device, a phone that can take video and audio and share their thoughts. And, you know, everyone can be an instant publisher. Protest isn't what it used to be. That's part of it. But also the protests must know because they see and I can see the Antifa groups gathering on the edges that the protest gives cover to what comes next. The protests must be aware of the fact that there are people in their midst who are planning and coordinating to engage in violence and destruction, especially when, when night falls and it's harder for the cops to do anything about it. Um, it, it is really telling that there is no voice in the, in the Democratic Party right now that's telling people to knock it off. 
they'll, they'll express a lot of sympathy with, of course, the family of George Floyd. They'll express sympathy for those who are angry. Do they express sympathy for the people who are watching their small businesses get lit on fire and burned to the ground? No, they will not express sympathy for them. Do they worry about the law enforcement officers, including the one in Jacksonville who was stabbed in the neck during a protest? No, they don't express solidarity or anything for them. No. You can always tell where their ideological allegiance is by how they deploy human sympathy. Only some people get the sympathy, not, not those who are outside of what the political narrative dictates for them. You have Nancy Pelosi, who is truly, I mean, she is the, she is the most out-of-touch, let-them-eat-cake Democrat imaginable. You know, lives in a giant mansion in the San Francisco Bay Area, you know, f- fabulously wealthy, and pretends. It, it really is a professional pretender to care about poor people and to care about minorities. And here she is uh, telling everybody that, you know, well, Trump, of course, is the problem. He's not unifying everybody. Play 16. I kind of ignore what President Trump says. You ignore him, but at the same time, he's been continuing to tweet and speak out today. He's attacking the protesters, saying it's part of the far left. He's attacking the mayors of Minneapolis and the mayor of Washington, D.C. What should the president of the United States be doing right now? President of the United States should bring dignity to the office that he serves. He should be a unifying force in our country. We have seen that with Democratic and Republican presidents all along. Uh, they have seen their responsibility to be the president of the United States, to unify our country and not to fuel the flame, not to fuel the flame. And I think to take his bait time and time again is just a gift to him because he always wants to divert attention from what the cause uh, of the response was rather than uh, to describe it in his own terms. I'm sorry you had to listen to somebody. I'm sorry about that, but I wanted you to hear, you know, the the the, just the, the mountain of BS that she is piling up here. How could the pre- what what could the president say or do that would be acceptable to Democrats as a move toward unity? Re- really think that one through for a second. What what is it? Could he give a speech? Is there a speech he could give that would make them say, "Wow, the president's really"? And let's also remember that. For those who want to blame Trump for what's going on right now, there were riots during the Obama administration in Ferguson, in Baltimore, in many other cities as well. So this is not unique to this moment, although it may be worse right now because the uh, the narrative that Trump is an evil racist has been so uh, there's been so much effort put into that by the media that I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have been brainwashed into believing that the president of the United States is not a racist, but they say he is all the time. And you know what their first, their go to is to claim that he called the Charlottesville, uh, you know, white nationalist marchers uh, good people. That is not what he said. That is a lie. They're lying to you when they say that. Go. Don't take my word for it. Read the transcript yourself. They they misconstrue his words and he clarifies it in the next breath. Exactly what he is saying. He did not call the Charlottesville white nationalists very fine people or very good people. He didn't do it. But you've heard countless people in the media say that they're lying. They're lying. That's a lie. Why would the media that that pretends to be so honest and objective? Why would they get away with that? Why would they do that? Well, because they're the really the arsonists of our republic are, in fact, the mainstream media. 
That's where they are now. That's what they're willing to do. They want to maintain their elevated and rarefied positions in society. And to do that, they will placate. They will whip up the mob into a frenzy, whatever they have to do. They have no honor. They have no integrity. They have no courage. And what do they do? They go out there and they tell us all that this is somehow our, meaning America's fault as a society. I, I don't know how anyone can. Look, if you want to watch some of these channels just to get a sense of what the opposition to civilization thinks, sure, turn on CNN, turn on MSNBC. Uh, but I don't know how anyone could take them seriously and, and believe what they say. And I can assure you, all of those that you will see, either in print or on TV, who are trying to tell you that these protests are something that deserve, uh, when I say the protests, what's going on right now in the country, the anarchy and riots and looting in the streets, the protests that so, uh, so continuously so uh, expectedly morph into violent melees on the street. People that are trying to defend this, if this was happening outside their home, if someone was trying to throw a firebomb, and, a firebomb into their car or their business, they would want law enforcement there cracking people's heads with nightsticks and using everything they've got and prosecuting people to the fullest extent of the law. The left... On this issue, the elite left are frauds. They are absolute fakes. Don't ever forget that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We don't even have to be in this situation in the first place if we had the political will to raise taxes on some of the wealth, ultra-wealthy people. And let's also do away with this mythology that the ultra wealthy move away due to high taxes. There are some taxes that are particularly painful for working people. Things like raising sales tax, making your making your toilet paper, making your milk more expensive. That is a higher sales tax because it's borne by the brunt of working people. But when you're talking about people with multiple penthouses in New York City, those people don't move away due to taxes. They're living already paying hundreds of millions of dollars to live in a penthouse in the first place. And so we shouldn't be balancing our budget off the backs of children. We should be balancing them on the backs of millionaires that are really taking advantage of housing and all of that here in New York City. And so it's not just about raising any taxes or all taxes. It's about identifying which taxes are targeting working people and which taxes are targeting the ultra wealthy. Producer Mark, we need to we need to start, you know, for Pelosi and uh, and AOC. I don't want the audience to get mad at me. We're, we're going to have to start having a like 30 second rule because that's and that's an important segment, an important clip. And I know I probably asked you to pull it, but I'm just saying as I'm th sitting here thinking, I'm like, I, I don't want anyone switching the dial because they have to listen to. I mean, AOC is just a, is an imbecile. I mean, I know she won a congressional election in Queens and it was a big woo, but, you know, oh, everyone's all amazed by it. But it's she's a moron. And I, I don't know what and the fact that she has an economics degree, uh, what, what everything that she is saying here. So anyway, just just as a side note, Mark, let, let's try to do a, like a generally speaking, a 30 to 40, because I just don't want people to have to listen to too much of them. 30, 30, 40 seconds max. Uh, and. What she's saying here about balancing the budget in New York City in particular is true in a lot of places on the backs of millionaires. They're already doing that. They're already doing that. But it's not just millionaires. It's people who are making 150, 200 K, which to a lot of people may sound like a lot of money. But 
Not when you live in a major city. It's not. You make 200 grand, you live in a major city, you have a, you know, a wife and kid, or let's say you're the main breadwinner, you have a husband and a child, and you know, you live not, you're living a nice life. I'm not saying that, but you're not rich. Not at all. And you probably can't build any wealth. This is just the truth. For a lot of you who live in places where real estate is much uh, more affordable and you have much more land and space, you're like, that's crazy. Two, you know, 200 grand out in, let's say, the, the suburbs of uh, Omaha, right? KFAB Omaha in the house. I'm just picking some at random here. That's probably really great. I mean, you're really doing well. 200 grand if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Not a lot of money. It's not. Average home price is well over a million dollars. And they're taxing you at about a 30% federal rate. Uh, and then you add on top of that state, in, in California, it's about 10, 11%. You're paying 40%, and you still pay, you know, uh, tax on everything you buy, and you're being, you're being taxed all over the place. So AOC's uh, little plan here that you're just going to tax the millionaires and that they can't leave, she's wrong. People that are, that are in the fight to try to build wealth for themselves and their families over time, they are the ones who are bur- uh, carrying the tax burden. The billionaires, they do go. They go to Palm Beach. It happens. They go to Florida. They leave. It's been happening in New York for years. Billions of dollars of revenue has fled the state because of idiots like AOC who don't know what the heck they're talking about. You know, yeah, if you're a bar owner and you're making, you know, two, three hundred grand because things are going really well, uh, you can't leave. And then just keep taxing you and taxing you and treating you like you're rich. If they were serious about this, they'd say, let's have an entirely different rate for people making over five million a year. But they won't do that. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The appalling targeting of reporters who are trying to tell America's story. There is so much that's so wrong about this situation. First and foremost, the video seen around the world. The video of George Floyd's final minutes alive. It's so wrong that it's hard to see. But it is right that we look. It is right that we bear witness. And it is right to see protesters taking action as a result. But it is wrong to see reporters and photographers and news crews being assaulted and arrested at these protests. Police firing rubber bullets at reporters when the reporters are holding up press badges? That doesn't belong in America. Authorities handcuffing reporters is wrong. That's what happens in authoritarian regimes, not in America. But yet it happened again last night in Minneapolis and in New York. So usually I would now make fun of Brian Stelter for being the, uh, the gutless wonder that he is. Uh, but I'd actually rather use this as, as a means of illustrating a, a broader point. And that is, notice his, uh, this is an expression of solemn outrage at the arresting of reporters that has gone on, in, in, in some cases, at some of these protests. Now, in, in the most well-known one in Minneapolis, uh, there was a CNN reporter who was arrested now, they, now, that shouldn't happen. No one thinks that that... No, there's no one who's saying, yeah, arrest the reporters, or yeah, shoot rubber bullets at the reporters. Cops are dealing with very difficult situations. They may be misidentifying uh, certain members of the crowd. They may be firing a rubber bullet and missing and hitting a reporter. You know, you have to look at the specific circumstances. And perhaps there are officers who don't like the way that some of the reporters are really seeming to be the press arm of the protests instead of just covering the event, right? 
And I've seen this because I've been I was there for all the Occupy Wall Street stuff. And there was a lot of violence on the streets. And I've been there where, you know, the cameras really start rolling when all of a sudden a protester, you know, it's not the rock that gets thrown at the cop. It's the cop wrestling the protester down to the ground. Now, I think that there may be some frustration among law enforcement officers. And I am surmising here. I don't have any data to prove. Speaking of surmising, what's the story from over the weekend about white nationalists being behind this. I'm, I'm going to get to this. This was a real thing. And, and journalists were saying it. And I had people coming at me on social media. When are you going to speak out against the white nationalists behind this? It's like, honestly, are you, are you able to tie your shoes in the morning? You think that white nationalists are behind this? I'll get Marco Rubio, Republican senator. I mean, I, I just... He was one of the, well, when are we going to, you know, we need to keep an eye on the white nationalists that are involved. Is Mark Ruby, are you that? You know, he really is like a guy who just memorized a bunch of things that he could recite on TV, but has no real character. No, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's, it's bizarre. And a hat tip to uh, Lisa Booth of Fox News who was calling him out on Twitter. You know, Lisa's got some fire in the belly. She's a smart lady. She's like, what is wrong with you, dude? She is completely correct. But but let's let's step back for a moment here to the I'll, I'll get back to the white nationalists are behind this. The media's going to try everything. And remember, even when we have to uh, when we have to push aside narratives that are clearly false that they are advancing, even as that is occurring, uh, they are taking time away from us advancing narratives that are useful, that are helpful, that are true. So just, it's like they're sliming us with stuff and we have to just get through all of it. Things like the white nationalists are behind this. Uh, we, there was a whole series of hours of the news cycle this weekend where people were saying, well, that's not true. Another one that came up was they said, and do we even have the, uh, I think it's actually um, Mayor Carter in Minneapolis. Here we go. Play Mark, play clip two. In St. Paul last night and across our Twin Cities, a curfew went into effect. Because we had a relative stillness in St. Paul, we didn't make an enormous number of arrests, but every single person we arrested last night, I'm told, was from out of state. Not true. But that was out there for hours. And so what you had people saying, you know, the, the media immediately shifted to, oh, look at this. Oh, look at what's going on. You have... All of these people from out of state, and a lot of them are white nationalists. False. That's not what was going on. You had people uh, with Minnesota addresses when they actually dug into the arrest files, uh, a, a large number of them. The, and, and so this was a, another false news story. I won't say it's quite fake news because it's not clear that they were intentionally lying, but they did seize upon it right away, and it was false. Every person arrested in Minneapolis is from out of state. That's not that's not the case. And then you also have the white nationalists are behind this. No, no one. I mean, look, I, I don't know how else to explain this other than look at the footage. Look at the photos. They got people. They have people who are either, you know, Antifa, who are largely, largely white males, also females, but largely white males. And then you have people who are part of riots that break off of Black Lives Matter protests who are largely African-American. Where are the white nationalists in this equation? That's, that's worth asking. How could anyone be so obtuse, so stupid, that they really think that 
white nationalists are a big part of this. If you look over the weekend, if you just look, anything that I say to you like this stuff, because we, we cover so much ground here, you just go on Google, just type in, you know, riots, white nationalists, and boom, 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 you'll, you'll see all these hits of stories. Oh, people concerned about white nationalists. Look at Marco Rubio's Twitter feed. Talking about how we need to call out the bad people here. And, and then back to the, the, the who gets called out. Brian Stelter here talking about police arresting members of the press. Uh, look, you shouldn't arrest members of the press. Um, there's, there's not some big movement out there of people. There's no movement out there of people saying, yeah, let's, let's shut down freedom of the press. But this is, of course, journalists love this martyr complex. Oh, it's so hard being a journo. CNN's headquarters was attacked over the weekend in Atlanta. I mean, the real headquarters is here in New York, but technically the headquarters is in Atlanta. Um, and a lot of people were commenting on how this shows you that even if you're a leftist, I mean, there was a progressive newspaper and a woman who worked for it. This, this made the rounds on Twitter. Sorry, there's so much coming in. We have riots in 140 cities, right? I'm trying to just cover so much ground here. Uh, but uh, a woman was saying they, they've ransacked our, our paper and we're a progressive paper. Yeah, because it's not about holding anybody, um, holding anybody accountable. It's just about destroying things. It's not about anyone who is wrong anyone who is being evil um it's just destroying because it feels good to those who wish to act uh, engage in those acts you know this is an expression of rage that's going on but i i note that that stelter has uh the time and the effort and the willingness to say that journalists should not be arrested have you seen him calling out the violence and the riots and saying hey don't burn down stores don't deface the World War II Memorial. Don't deface St. Patrick's Cathedral here in New York City. Do you, do you see him saying that? Now, you, you can ask, why is it that there is no effort on the part of the mainstream media to really shame? That's what should be done. They should be shaming people publicly who are involved in looting, in arson, in assault, in violence. This is an attack on all of us when this is done by these mobs. It's an attack on our society. Everyone from, you know, the, the African-American small business owner in Minneapolis who's put his life savings into setting up a, you know, setting up a grocery store to someone walking down the street in Dallas just trying to go to dinner with, you know, with his wife, getting attacked because he's near, you know, it, it's everybody. It's everybody. And yet, do you, do you see anyone, do, do, do any of the anchors at CNN, do any of the anchors at MSNBC today, tonight, tomorrow, go on TV, stare into the camera and say, hey, look, we all believe in peace, peaceful protests and we all think what happened to George Floyd is terrible. But if you're taking this as an as a, a opportunity for cynical exploitation to hurt people and destroy things because you feel like it. You're a coward. You're worthless. You're not helping anybody, and you should be held accountable. Do you think any of them will say that? Not one. Zero. Nothing. I had some fun. Uh, there's some lib social justice Twitter account that goes after people and tries to get them fired from their jobs by uh, only conservatives. They go after... It's, it's essentially like Media Matters, but another version of it. I mean, Media Matters is a 
is a trash organization and any person of integrity or character would be embarrassed to work there. I, I mean, embarrassed. I don't care. Better, better to be begging on the street corner than work for Media Matters. An ethical person would rather beg than work for Media Matters. That's how much of a trash organization it is. But there are other uh, other groups similar to it, and one of them came after me because of the president retweeting me saying that this does not end until overwhelming force. By the way, overwhelming force is not opening fire. Overwhelming force is when a, when, a, when a cop wants to arrest me, let's say, and I start pushing him and pushing back on him, and three officers then grab me, hold my arms behind my back, put me on the ground and put, that's overwhelming force. It's commensurate to the situation. Overwhelming force when you're dealing with a mob like this is tear gas, is rubber bullets if necessary, disperse the mob and those who are engaged uh, for, for uh, unlawful assembly and rioting, and, and those who are engaged in further criminal acts are singled out, arrested, and processed, given due process, but then face the justice system. That's what overwhelming force means. They, they, they conflate these things intentionally. They say, oh, like the president's saying, we got to open fire on everyone. No one's saying that. No one's saying that. But I also will tell you, uh, my, my concern here is that we may see in the next few days, and I've been calling this since last week, I said this is going to get a lot worse. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be real problems here that don't stop anytime soon. My, my issue with this is that you're going to have the possibility of a store owner who is mobbed by this, uh, by, you know, who's mobbed by one of these riots. And that store owner has, you know, a Glock 19 with a 15 round magazine capacity, or that store owner happens to have access to a semi-automatic rifle on the, you know, from the AR family of some kind. And that person is in fear for his or her life. And now you have a mass casualty incident. Now that's, I don't want that to happen. That's a terrible thing. If people keep, looting and rioting and throwing rocks through windows and Molotov cocktails. I mean, if you, if, you were, if you were stuck in your store and you think that there's the possibility that the, the mob outside that's screaming epithets and threatening to kill you and trying to steal from you, if you think you might get burned alive by a Molotov cocktail and you have a firearm, are you going to use it? I know I would. People say, oh, yeah, right. They, they always... They always uh, on the left, they, they always want to attack the people and undermine them and call, the, call those who believe in self-defense cowards. Oh, no, no. Self-defense is the opposite of cowardice. Being in a mob, you'll also notice that these, these oh-so-tough Antifa members and, the, and, and various and assorted thugs of all backgrounds and all ethnicities who are a part of these riots, you'll also notice that they don't square off against a equally sized individual one on one when they want to, you know, engage in their violent acts. No, it's always like 10 on one kicking somebody when they're on the ground after someone sucker punches somebody. They're all cowards, cowards, and they know it. It's one of the reasons why they think these expressions of rage and it makes it makes them feel powerful for a moment. But I am very worried that we are heading for because the police are so hands off on the situation, a mass casualty incident. And it could involve someone. And, 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 and I'll tell you this right now. If someone uses a firearm to defend himself, his business or his home against a violent mob attacking him. The left will defend the mob. The left will say this was excessive force. 
This was, you know, a bloodbath that didn't need to happen. There were mostly peaceful protesters until they showed up and tried to burn down the man's building while he was inside it. Guarantee you, if an incident like that occurs, that will be their position. And think about how much uglier things will get then. We have to shut this down now. There are lives at stake. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We've come to try to hijack those protests and turn them into something very different. Uh, And they are probably also, I would bet, based on my experience, I'm not reading the intelligence uh, today uh, or these days, but based on my experience, this is right out of the Russian playbook as well. But we can't allow the extremists, the foreign actors, to distract from the real problems we have in this country that are longstanding, centuries old, and need to be addressed responsibly by new leadership. This is right out of the Russian playbook? Susan Rice, it's remarkable that this woman was the national security advisor. But then again, she's the one who blamed the video for the Benghazi terrorist attack on our facilities in Libya. Uh, what what do Democrats really have to offer at this moment in time? You know, really look at the people that the Democratic Party hold up as the voices of of reason and uh, and morality and ethics Um, Look at all of that and then tell me what exactly does the Democratic Party offer at this point? Uh, Here is Ilhan Omar, for example, talking about what has been going on the last few days. Play clip 10. This president um, has has failed in really understanding the kind of pain and anguish many of his citizens are are feeling. Uh, When you have a president who... Um, really is glorifying violence, who's talking about uh, the kind of vicious dogs um, and and weapons that could be unleashed on, on citizens. It is quite appalling and disturbing. We condemn other nations when their presidents make those kind of statements when there is unrest in in their countries. And we have to condemn our president at the highest um, uh, sort of condemnation. So is this an insurrection? I just want I want to know. I'd like I'd like the Democrats to answer this. She's saying we condemn the use of force in other nations uh, when when there is this stuff going on in the streets. Well, right. Well, that's in, in other countries. When this is happening, it's usually because they're trying to overthrow the government. Are they trying to do that? I thought they believed in the sanctity of our democracy. I, I thought that they. We're so worried about Russian interference because of all of our sacred institutions. We need to take very seriously the prospect that this is at least an effort at insurrection. They tried a coup using the deep state, using the mainstream media and the apparatus of the DNC, the Democrat Party. They tried a legal coup through illegal means, lying about evidence falsifying records with the FISA, entrapping Flynn, suppressing evidence, using the media, getting a special counsel. They tried that. And now with the complete moron Joe Biden that they've offered up to be the next president of the United States, are they just deciding to short circuit the election and create so much chaos and anarchy that what we do head for martial law or I I don't know what their plan is, but I I think that someone should ask them, are the protesters looking for an overthrow of the government? What do they want? Is this an insurrection? Is this 
insurgency via riot? I'd like to hear the answer to that question from the people in charge. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This president has been very clear that we need law and order in this country. He's taken extraordinary action, uh, talking about activating the National Guard, as we saw happen in Minnesota, criminalizing interstate travel that is uh, geared towards inciting violence, making sure that those individuals are prosecuted, uh, labeling Antifa as a domestic terrorist entity uh, that will be prosecuted as such. This president's taken bold action. This is the law and order president. Going back to his convention speech, he's always been about law and order in this country. And he's taking every single possible action to ensure that our streets are safe. Because what this does, this demeans the peaceful protesters who have a legitimate grievance when we see angry mob mentality take over and those horrific images of businesses burning um, in fires in the streets of this country. We need more from this president, though. Yes, he's done some things to help. And yes, he does believe, unlike the Democrats and the left, he does believe in law and order. He does believe that the law is the law, even if someone's really upset about it, doesn't change it. But we need more. Trump has not given us enough yet to stop this. Uh, The movement here, so to speak, the insurrection, if you want to call it that, has momentum. It's growing. It's not going away. Remember, we are in the midst of an economic depression There are 40 million people who have lost their jobs. People have been locked in their homes effectively because of the COVID hysteria for months. The damage done to mental uh, mental health across the country is catastrophic. People have snapped. I'll be honest with you. I was having some days where I was starting to feel like, what is going on here? I was feeling psychological duress from being told that we're going to have, you know, we may never be able to hug our relatives again, never be able to see our loved ones again that are of a certain age because of this COVID mess. And and our economy may never be the same, never go to restaurants again. This is what the so-called experts who are idiots were telling us. But there's a lot of rage. This rage has been building up. But now the rage, the left in Alinsky-ite fashion is taking it and weaponizing it and directing it for their own purposes instead of, at what, what is really the problem here, which are overwhelmingly Democrat governors and mayors in Democrat states who have locked down and, and been oppressive and tyrannical because they think that that's what they should do, because they feel like it, essentially, because that's who they are at their core. No protests from all these people for the jobs that are lost, from the, you know, from the uh, destruction of religious liberty, you know, that we have gone through the greatest overreach of government authority in my lifetime, smashing dreams, smashing businesses, life savings, putting people in food lines across the country. They're not protesting that one cop murders a man in Minnesota. And now everything is everything is, uh, you know, fair game. It's a free for all. Light anything you want on fire. Destroy it. Think about what has happened here. Matt Walsh, who is over at The Daily Wire, um, you know, I, I don't know Matt well. I've, I've had him on a few times and we worked together briefly at the, at the Blaze, but we didn't really come, a, we didn't really come into contact that much. Uh, I give this guy credit. He's, he's somebody on the right with a backbone. There aren't that many of us. There aren't that many people uh, who will say things even when they're deeply 
unpopular on the right. Um, or when they're going to get so much hatred from the left that you have to worry some, you have to worry about your safety. Um, Matt, Matt is uh, Matt does Matt does good work, which for me to say that is rare, as you know, I don't I don't run around with effusive praise, but my praise is meaningful as a result. His thread here on Twitter is just amazing, just amazing. He did the research. He pulled it together. Um, it's about how protesting as a general act was described when conservatives were protesting the lockdowns. Uh, Vox.com wrote a piece called The Whiteness of Anti-Lockdown Protests. And as Matt writes, it's, it's racist because it might spread the virus to black people. That was the, if you were a white person protesting government tyranny, which is what it was, and it was stupid, and it was based enough. I walk around now without a mask. I talk to people. I deal with people without masks all the time now. I'm done. It was all crap. It was all a lie. It's nonsense. When I say it's all a lie, I don't mean COVID's a lie. I don't mean that people didn't die from it. I mean that these measures that we were taking were necessary and sound to combat COVID. Social distancing, six feet. They just made that. There's no there's there's no study to support that. They just made this up. Why not 10 feet? Why not 50 feet? Eh, Because we feel like it. Masks, you don't need them. Don't get them. Actually, maybe get them. Now you have to get them. What, what science did they bring? Nothing. There's no evidence to support this. Matt continues on in this thread, though. Lockdown protesters have a moral duty to forego medical care. That's right. This was uh, a piece written at, Pen, at penlive.com that protesters during the lockdowns, don't deserve medical care. They should just they should just slowly die of asphyxiation from COVID-19 because they don't think that they should have their lives completely overrun by government bureaucrats telling them what to do. The Guardian, U.S. lockdown protests may have spread virus widely, according to cell phone data. That's right. Protesters, as Matt writes, are responsible for spreading the virus far and wide. That, I mean, meaning that he's saying this is this is what the story was. Jimmy Kimmel jo- jokes Trump supporting coronavirus lockdown um, protesters are suicidal. He linked that story up there, too. That's right. If you want to protest the lockdown, you are suicidal. You, you want to die. Um, the lockdown protest inside Michigan Capitol was devastatingly worrisome. Ford calls anti-lockdown protesters, protesters reckless in the National Post. Mind-bogglingly selfish, according to Business Insider. Washington Post protesters don't care about lives that was published in that is the headline lockdown protesters don't care about lives slate they are twisting the idea of liberty slate.com the protesters washington post protesters are like typhoid mary what lockdown protests are really about foolish if not dangerous the week.com the nation.com protesters are dangerous worsening the crisis I could just sit here. We just keep going. The brilliant thread from Matt Walsh. This is what they were saying about people gathering in open air completely and utterly lawfully, not hurting or ruining anyone or anything. But they were spreading death, you see. That was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Oh, but now when people want to get together in a mob, which is happening right near my apartment as I talk to you, my friends, the mob is gathering. I can hear them out in the streets. As that mob gathers, we're told that they have a righteous cause. 
attacking cops, looting stores, burning cars. Righteous. That's what the left wants you to believe. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I figured we'd get an actual medical and finance expert on the show to talk about whether we're out of the woods when it comes to the worst of COVID-19, at least for right now, and also where we're heading with the economy with 40 plus million unemployed. So with that, we are joined by Dr. David Eifrig, also known as Doc Eifrig by a lot of folks. He is a partner at Stansbury Research. Uh, Doc, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Buck. Appreciate it. So where do you see us now? I know you're writing about this weekly in your newsletter for Stansbury Research. Um, you know, the, the economy and COVID, these two things are, to say they're linked is an understatement, right? I mean, the, the COVID pandemic has really largely shut down uh, whole sectors of the economy. So how, how do you think we're doing right now first in the, in the virus suppression and the reopening, and how bullish or bearish are you that we're going to be able to get things up and running? Yeah, sure. So um, the first thing is we've been saying, I've been saying for, gosh, about five, six weeks now that this coronavirus will be essentially like um, the other coronaviruses that have been studied uh, by us, and they've not really been looked at for a while, but um, I pulled up a couple weeks ago and I showed folks, there was a study out of Norway and a study out of the University of Michigan which showed the incredible seasonality of the coronaviruses. There's four that have affected humans, there's seven we know of. And I wish I could show you the chart, but essentially um, one of them just does the, the full year and shows how the peak is in January, February, and then by the summertime, they're gone. I'm looking on a screen here, and again, I'm sorry, I don't can't share it with you, but those four, uh, even when there's a big year of it, the next year it's down. and so. My money, 100% of this coronavirus going away, the talk of having a big run next winter, uh, there's no evidence for that in the, the coronaviruses that have been studied and looked at with, uh, with good science. The other part I'm hopeful about the corona thing is that um, we're starting to figure out and see the stupidity that we've had by many people in not recognizing how uh, influenza-like illnesses, viruses travel. Uh, this notion of putting people six feet apart is absurd. You can imagine uh, five feet, eight feet, nine feet, 10 feet. Anyone who's uh, older than 10 years old has seen these videos where they sneeze and paint fills the whole room. Um, and then even in rooms where there are people uh, at a restaurant for an hour and a half next to each other and around, even there only half of the crowd gets sick. So there's innate immunity that humans have that fight it off, that don't even show up as if they had infections. There's infections that do show up in the antibodies and they don't have symptoms. And then there's people who have all these so-called comorbidities and get really sick, but it's been common for years and years and years at end of life. That's kind of one of the things that they often die from is flus, coronaviruses, other strange viruses that we could go on and on about the list. So I'm really optimistic about it. The other thing that's uh, I've not seen much about this, but it's uh, very factual in that these things mutate. And when you mutate them, they can either become very, very infectious or less infectious. And the more mutations you have, the faster the mutations. It's believed, I believe it, and it's thought that they get less and less virulent, so less and less powerful. I saw a paper over the weekend uh, that showed there's a couple strains now around the world. I think one report out of Italy 
that looks like people get it and you know have a a sneeze, a sniffle, and they're done. And so I think this thing's going to go away. That's my personal take. Speaking of Dr. David Eiferig, Doc Eiferig, to those of us who uh, know him, he's both an MD, medical expert, and also a finance and investing expert with Stansberry Research. And so, Doc, by the way, I'm very pleased to hear your analysis as somebody who, who, who understands the science, right? This is a, a term that everyone, everyone says, listen to the science, you know the science. And uh, it, it does line up with a lot of the, the data crunchers that I know out there who have been saying all along that this isn't going to be what we were uh, we were being told by the authorities that it would be. But now on the economic side, so we're at 40 million unemployed. There had been this idea, 40 million plus, there had been this idea that uh, we could freeze the economy and then effectively um, unfreeze it, right? That we could unfreeze what we had done here. Uh, are you are you thinking that that's possible or are we in for a rude awakening as we try to get the economic side of this rolling again? Yeah, um, I have to tell you, um, personally, and stylistically, I'm a little more uh, on the conservative side and I'm never going to even late in my life. I'm never going to catch the full wave up on any investment bull market we've ever had. Um, I get out early. I get in late. Um, I, this to me feels economically as dysfunctional as anything I could imagine. But we just threw a whole bunch of money and promises to support it. And again, everything's off the table. I, I've read Sidney Homer's uh, History of Interest Rates, which is yay big. You know, here we are talking negative interest rates in Europe. They're not even reserve currency. Uh, you throw a lot of money at after this economy and then with the dislocation, I'm more optimistic um, I don't want to see bad things. I don't want to see a Great Depression and bread lines and all that stuff. But it's hard for me to imagine. Uh, it's really hard for me to picture uh, how we recover that quickly. And, and let me say, just for this reason, simply, um, supply chains could probably be put back into place fairly quickly. But uh, you can't, you know, they've slaughtered some pigs early and chickens early, cattle early. So there might be a meat supply problem and vegetarians would be, yes, that's fantastic. But even that process, getting it to me uh, in the form that I prefer, which would be a restaurant situation, uh, those are a long ways away. And what, 7% of the economy is a sit down, eating restaurant, even takeout stuff. Uh, I don't, you know, those people have moved on. The chef has gone here, they've gone back home. They're, they don't have money to open up another restaurant and the people that are working for them are, are gone and displaced. I, my fingers are crossed, I'm hopeful. And certainly a stock market running up this fast uh, is supposed to be sort of a predictive sign the market knows what's coming. Uh, I'm still being very, very conservative in my own investing and still being very conservative in what I tell folks. And frankly, you know, I, I didn't get in at the bottom couple weeks ago and say, bye, bye, the recovery's here. Trillions of dollars are coming towards us. I, I didn't tell people that because I, I just have not seen government be that successful with making it happen. But man, it's a, 
bucket of water. I'd actually be curious to hear what what you think, what you're feeling, <laughs> what you're seeing. You're, well, you're in New I, York City. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, it's I'm in New York City, and and it's mayhem here on the streets, and there's a huge protest that's about to be happening right next to where I am right now, uh, right near where I live, mm. um, and and things are getting pretty crazy out here, and and I just think that uh, the 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 uh, the competence of government is beyond any question now uh, in that it is incompetent um, and, and that the government doesn't really have the ability to pull off a lot of things that I think it, it says or, or believes that it can. But, you know, America is the most dynamic engine for the creation of wealth on the his- in the history of the planet. And so if we can just get the buffoons out of the way, I think things will get up and running again. But I'm kind of with you where I feel like how can anybody know because there's no no one has modeled this, right? No one has modeled covid and then mass riots across America, the destruction of small businesses and, and, and the trillions and trillions of dollars of spending that have occurred just in the last three months. So, I, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I'm, I, I have my concerns about it, but I, I like to try to be an optimist. But, Doc, for people who want to check out uh, some of your research, just uh, should they go to stansburyresearch.com or how, how can they get an intro? Yeah, so uh, the best way to get an intro, in my opinion, is to, to test this out for free. We have a daily piece that I put out called Health and Wealth Bulletin. It's at health and wealth and health and wealthbulletin.com. And we put out free thing from there. A couple of newsletters. My favorite is Retirement Millionaire, where I blend my you know Wall Street background, Goldman Sachs days. Then I went to medical school late in life, which is why I'm so sort of uh, crotchety and cynical because I didn't have to be uh, kowtowing to anybody. So I, co- I sort of blend my finance experience with my health and medical stuff and give it to you in a newsletter there called Retirement Millionaire. That's my favorite and that's the least expensive. But healthandwealthbulletin.com will give you a, a flavor of, of what we talk about and write about and think about. So- Go check it out, folks. Doc Eifrig, the one and only. Smart people I know say, listen to Doc. So there you go. Doc, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thanks, Buck. See you, man. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. Feel those funky beats. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call, everybody. Ryan kicks us off. Now, remember, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to send us your thoughts. Or you can go to Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Ryan starts us off here. Hey, Buck. That was some straight-up rock and roll to have the President of the United States call into the Freedom Hut. Loved it. You went from me calling in about the possibility that Trump would be president to Donald Trump calling in as the president. That's cool. Ryan, I agree. That is that is, in fact, cool. So thank you very much for that. And I appreciate you writing in. By the way, I I didn't mean to skip past the penalty box. Producer Mark, how are you doing, buddy? Good. How about yourself, Buck? Were you running around with an anarchist face mask on smashing windows over the weekend? sir? No, I not approve of that in the Freedom Hut, sir. You know, I I stayed home. I decided to not, uh, you know, smash things. Weren't weren't lighting cars on fire, you know, you know, for for jollies. You know, I thought about it. But I decided not to. Got to be careful with those incendiaries. You burn your hand, you know. You got to make sure that you have gloves on or something or else, you, ooh, ooh, it's like, it's like grabbing a hot pot without a mitt. Yeah, I mean, I had my oven mitts ready. I had a can of gasoline. But, you know, I just decided, no, not today. I mean, these people that are doing this in New York City, it's, 
uh, they're so uh, it's just out. It's outrageous. It's outrageous, man. And, and you know, there's there's more of it, uh, more of it coming tomorrow. I'll have some updates for people because it's tonight. It's planned for right in my neck of the woods, right over here. Uh, they're actually locking down. I saw them preparing stores in my neighborhood, putting up plywood in the, you know, in front of the windows, in front of the glass. And uh, they are also locking down my building. So people will not be able to leave through the normal, uh, the normal doorway uh, starting at a certain time today because that's how concerned they are about this. I just got that note. That's insane. Yeah. No. That's, that's the city we live in now. We've been through, instead of a celebration of the end of the COVID hysteria, it's beautiful weather now, we got a summer ahead of us, everything's going to be good. Instead of a celebration, we are now on another lockdown because of left-wing psychopaths wanting to destroy everything. That's where we are. Yeah. Anyway, it makes me very upset, obviously. Uh, but did you and Mrs. Mark do anything fun over the weekend? No, we did absolutely nothing. Oh, that sounds like well, what are we going to do? There's protests going on everywhere and uh, we're technically not allowed outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I, I went for a long walk in the park and of course I came across protesters several times, went for a long walk in Central Park, which was nice. And, uh, and I made for the snow princess in me, I made burgers, but I didn't have buns. I, I had bread. And so I had to make it like a burger sandwich. And then I cut the burger in half and it looked like a sandwich, but I'm t- it was very good, even though I feel like. I made a burger sandwich. I mean, I've done that before. You know, you don't have any buns, so you have to improvise. Right? Nothing Use wrong the bread. With that. Yeah. Use the bread. So that's what I did. Tasted very good. Also, uh, I made some artichokes, I will have you know, which just involves steaming them for 30 minutes and then dipping them in butter, which is amazing. I don't think I've ever just had an artichoke that wasn't in spinach and artichoke dip. I'm t- it's pretty good. You and Mrs. Mark, I'm telling you, this is a very easy. You just get two artichokes, put them in a steamer pot, just fill it with water, Boil the water 30, 30, 35 minutes and then just take a big thing of melted butter like for lobster and then you dip the part of the artichoke you want to eat in the melted butter. A little bit of lo- a lemon, by the way, in the butter is very nice, just like you would with a lobster. Sure. Um, now I'm getting really hungry for lobster. I- I've got to do that. I need to start eating more vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, this is like vegetable healthy, butter, but, yeah. so you'll like it. Um, but I haven't had lobster in a long time. It's reminding me. I, and I can't, I don't know where you can get, even get them in New York City. Right? Is there anywhere we can get lobster? I don't even know where you get it right now. All right. Uh, Michael Buck, love your show. If social distancing is so important, why isn't the media screaming at the top of their lungs about the rioters not social distancing? Michael, good question, but obviously it was one I've been addressing here on the show. It was all about what they like and don't like. It was all about their whims and their desires. It was about control. So now we know beyond any doubt. Um, I don't even, I'm not even like washing my hands obsessively anymore. The virus, the heat, the summer, the virus has gone way, way down. People are nuts. They need to calm down. Uh, James Buck, I've been satisfied simply to subscribe and listen to your podcast, but your impression of Brian Stelter during today's show compels me to write. I laughed hard enough to be a COVID super spreader, and that was with my mask on and my car windows rolled up. Bravo. Well, James, thank you very much. Stelter over there is really trying to make sure that he supports the left wing agenda and he's Whatever Jeff Zucker says, yes, Mr. Zucker, I'll do it. Uh. Really one of the, I mean, and I mean this, Stelter's not even good at television. Uh, One of the least talented news anchors I've ever seen. I've never had somebody have to restart 
three times an interview with me and he did because he can't ask questions that were he couldn't ask questions that weren't written out for him on the prompter and he's just not good at this but it does she does zucker's bidding so it's like okay fine yep it's all true randy writes i ride a harley without a helmet don't feel like i'm crazy a friend of mine quit smoking cigarettes because he didn't want to die from cancer the very next day a tobacco truck ran him over and killed him producer mark what say you uh, about the helmet thing just I mean, about this whole note i mean that's just the biggest irony in the world that's um i mean that's not something you see every day and yeah no those who ride a harley without a helmet i mean look i don't know anything i don't know anything about riding a motorcycle nothing <laughs> never done it not even a little bit so i mean listen, folks teach their own but i think it's not the safest thing in the world to work ride a motorcycle without a helmet i would probably wear a helmet I would probably wear a helmet, but that's just me. But then again, I need to get a special helmet for my giant head. So that's called a hermit, a hermit. That's right. Or I could just shave it down. I think I think if I shaved the uh, shave the swoop, though, people would it would it would be like Samson when his locks are cut. I I don't even know if I could do radio anymore. You know, I just sit here like I can't do the radio. You know, I don't think I'd have this. I would not advise against this, especially because half of our liners say something about your hair. That's true. I wonder who wrote them. I don't know. Somebody, somebody who's very clever, that's for sure. David, hey, Buck, I can't believe what I'm watching right now. Fox News is freaking out about protesters throwing water bottles and firecrackers at the White House. Fortunately, the Secret Service is fighting back with bicycle barricades. This is madness. And all these journalists are absolute morons. Keep up the great work. Yeah, the stuff last night in D.C., I have friends down there who are sending me updates throughout it. Things in D.C. were uh, really bad really bad um and it was right outside the white house they lit a a national historic church on fire uh it didn't they, they put the fire out so the whole church didn't burn down but these people have no they have no respect they have no dignity they have no integrity they're just destroying they're just destroying these are barbarians my friends the barbarians are on the loose Brandy, hey, Buck, I know the president said he'll never shut down the country again. What about the individual blue state governors? Do you think they will shut down their states for a possible round two of this covid virus? Um, Yes, if it gets if they have an opening, Brandy, I think they will try to shut down for round two of the covid virus, which is why it's so important that we have this debate right now about the covid virus and make sure that we understand what was necessary to defeat it and uh, what was not. And look, we haven't totally defeated it, but what was necessary to, to suppress it. So I, I do think that blue state governors will try this again. And they're just going to remember all that their, their point of view is that their people should get paid who stay home. A lot of people work remotely. Government employees keep getting paid and the federal government will make up the shortfall. It's almost like the federal government pays for everybody to have a stay at home vacation. That's how lib, lib uh, statists view this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much concerned about that possibility. Tracy, my husband is a cop. He went up to Chicago today to try and help his guys out. Buck, it's a complete war zone. Shootings in intersections, fires everywhere, people running in the streets. One of his guys had to drive south in a northbound lane just to get out. They're looting his territory as we speak. It's unbelievable what is happening My police wife, friends, and I are distraught. Please pray for us, for our husband's safety. I have never felt so helpless. This doesn't feel like America. Thank you for listening. Well, Tracy, thank your husband for stepping up and being on the front line 
in this way. And I would also remind everybody that, you know, we were told by the lockdown libs for weeks, if you don't do what we say, you don't respect the front line. You don't respect first responders. Cops are first responders, among the most important of all first responders. And yet now the cops are being disrespected all over the place. I, I thought and, and subjected to covid from all these protesters. Notice how it's just what they were saying. It doesn't matter anymore. Now, now we don't hear about that anymore. Like I said, my friends, these people are liars. They are frauds. They are there to destroy. They are not bringing you information. And the media is, is uh, look, we're in a media war in this country. Don't make no mistake about it. I'm on one side and they are on the other. And we're in a fight to the end here. There's, there's not coming back to the middle. Uh, but yeah, Tracy, look, keep your head up. We'll get through this. We'll be all right. I can't, it feels like we're talking about COVID again. And now we're talking about the riots. We'll get through this. We're in this together. But no, really, I mean, this, you know, it will be all, it will be okay in the end. You just got to keep fighting. You got to keep your shield high. Honestly, that's, that's really, that's why that's the motto of the show. You got to just keep fighting, keep going, keep grinding. Thomas Buck, I listened to your show from Friday. I get it on Spotify. It's also awesome. Uh, how you knew the old true definition and meaning of thug from India that's one of the oldest and pointing out the death cult of strangulation. I sure appreciate your show. I very much appreciate your voice of reason. And I'm glad our president is willing to be on your show and call you a friend and colleague, rightfully so. Your attention and knowledge of history is appreciated by me. I support our president. He's got my vote. You would make a great advisor or person that works in his office. Shields high. Uh, thanks so much, Thomas, for the very kind note. And yeah, it was really meaningful. That the president not only joined the show, but also had so many nice things to say about the work that we do here. And, you know, even producer Mark was kind of like, that was cool. That was cool. So, you know, if Mark gets excited, you know, it's really exciting. I even gave you props, which is very, very rare. Even producer Mark, like, gave me a little, a little pat on the back and was like, good job, host. And I said, thank you, producer. So it was, it was nice. We had a moment. But now he's back to telling me I have to show up on time and tape the show and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing my job telling you to, you know, do work. Do my job. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, we need somebody to do it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. More roll call, everyone. And I'm thinking I'll probably have some stories for you tomorrow myself uh, to share about what goes on here in the city. I think tonight's going to be I think tonight's going to be the worst one yet in New York City and in a lot of other places. Uh, This is not going to stop until we make it stop. People don't have jobs to go to. People don't care. This is we are in a perfect storm right now of mob, anarchic violence and destruction and good people courageous people have to step up to stop this thing. Thomas writes, Buck, I just listened to your show. Oh, he, we already did Thomas before. Dan, Buck, I am a simple man. I work, pay my taxes, love my country, and want nothing more than to enjoy a beer on my, ro- on my rooftop while watching NBA. Producer Mark can tell you what that is. Oh, I'll have to ask him later. At what point is it all too much? I didn't ask for any of this, and I just want to get back to work and living my life. I'm not especially political, but the state of our country has forced me to pay much closer attention. I'm around your age, Cornell University. Oh, wow. God willing, we both have a long way to go in this game. I'm seriously looking at property in Florida, Texas, and South Carolina. It's funny, Dan, so am I. As these blue states have simply become too much for me, I guess what I'm wondering is, what are other level-headed people like yourself thinking? 
I'm saddened by this because I grew up in the tri-state area. I love New York City, New Jersey, Connecticut, and the Acela Corridor in general, but I don't think I can do this for the second half of my life. What say you? Dan, we are, uh, we are kindred spirits in many ways, my friend. I'm, I'm thinking about this every day now all the time. There's a part of me that doesn't want to abandon my home and the city that I love to these barbarians um, and, and the lib apparatus of the Democrat Party that is just, just destroys, just takes and destroys and lies. But then there's a part of me that wants peace and wants a family and wants, you know, wants to go to bed every night knowing that I am in a place not surrounded by lunatics. And if I need to, I can get to, you know, an AR that I practice with regularly and that I've had plenty of training with for my CIA days. And if somebody comes into my home or my property, it will be a huge mistake. Whereas right now, uh, I mean, some of the uh, what am, what am I going to do? Some of the edged weapons training might come in handy, but that's only going to help you with, uh, you know, real close quarters. If you have to defend yourself, as you all know. Can't own a firearm really in New York City. I mean, you can, but you have to go through a horrific process of all kinds of nonsense. And as you also know, if you had to use a firearm to defend yourself or your home in New York, you're going to then spend the next probably three or four years of your life fighting with everything you have to keep your uh, keep yourself out of prison. Um, and, and they will arrest you and they will you know, they will try to press charges against you because that's the city we live in. Law abiding gun owners defending themselves in New York are a target for the authorities. De Blasio would be saying how it was excessive force. Doesn't matter what the doesn't matter what the situation is. And I can tell you right now, in this city where I live, if someone, you know, beat down my door with an axe and I happen to have a firearm, which I don't because I can hear, and I defended myself, there would be uh, you know, there'd be leaders of the community and de Blasio and these other people saying that it was excessive force. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Sunny. I'm so happy I finally stumbled on your show on Pluto TV. I'm from Texas, and I watched your show on The Blaze a long time ago. I love your opinion. You were the one that really made a lot of difference for me to understand some of the craziness out there. Thank you, Buck. I'm back on Team Buck. Well, Sonny, you're very, very welcome. We saved a seat for you. I don't know if you see it, but uh, you you found it, apparently. So that makes makes me very happy, and great to have you back. And thanks for staying with us all this time. Uh, Back to what Dan was saying about looking at property. I do think that this is going to create a huge uh, a, a separation in the country. People are going to leave uh, blue states and cities and, and head out into more rural areas uh, more. And, and if you're if you're conservative, you're going to head out into redder parts of the country where you can at least count on your sheriff not to take off his gear and join the rioters, as we know, happened at least once, I believe, in Michigan. Um you know, or whether it's a protest or a riot, I mean, whichever one it was, you know, the sheriff isn't there to he's there to keep order. He's not there to pick a side. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we can fight through it and and hang on in these cities. I mean, there are a lot of Republicans like me in New York, not compared to how many libs there are, but there are a lot of us. You know, there's over a million of us in New York City. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, friends, we will stay in the fight, though. That much I can promise you. I think I'll have some more stories for you tomorrow. Please share this podcast. It's more important now than ever that we get the truth out. Uh, get it on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app. Also, go to BuckSaxon.com. Shields high.